welcome to another episode of Women's Football Success. I'm your host, Lynn Marie Liberty Ellington. Real quick, this is episode 1805. And a disclaimer, I am an attorney, but I'm not your attorney. I am licensed to practice law in the state of Arkansas, and I do practice law in the state of Arkansas. Um, but I also own a couple other businesses. I do business consulting, and I'm co-owner of the Dallas Elite Women's Football Team. Real quick, what is women's football success? So um, this is a couple years in the making. We created this to have a place where the owners, support staff, coaches, and players could go for some tips and tricks, strategies, suggestions, and basically have a, a platform or a format where the information about women's football could be in one place. There's not a lot of informational stuff. If you go and you wanna start a restaurant, you can go to Barnes and Noble and you can find a, a book on how to start a restaurant. Um, you can also go to Amazon, etc. And then of course there's a, a ton of different places on Google that have articles. Uh, women's football doesn't have that and that's what I wanna provide for women's football. So we're really excited to be able to do this. So last week, real quick, in episode 1804, um, I talked about a couple things and I want to everybody to understand that this radio show is kind of a just a touch on different things that we're going to have on the website and in the webinars. Uh, so in 1804, I talked about player contracts and the importance of them and different elements that they should have. I also um, wrote up a basic checklist or a basic list of things that could be components in a player contract and that's on the website. And then I talked about uh, coaching staff, how many coaches you should have, uh, what type they should be. And those were just basically uh, titles of different coaches. You'll find in women's football that you either have uh, an overwhelming amount of people willing to coach your team or you cannot find enough people to do so. Um, my advice to you is to start early in August, September, October to get your coaching staff ready and developed to be able to take on those players that you um, find at tryouts. And then we talked about support staff. We went into uh, concession stands. And again, on the website, I've put several checklists on there about the concession stand, items for the concession stand, things that you should do in your concession stand, things to avoid in your concession stand. Um, and that's all on the website. And I'll give you that address here soon. The episode before that, we, again, just touched on some of these elements. We went over um, five great fundraisers that I've either done in the past or have had great success in the past in other um, organizations. We talked about coaching and uh, practice schedule, football 101, and the importance of having some sort of football 101 for your um, players, your new players to hear. I don't... I, you guys might be able to hear, I'm at my office today. I'm. It's in downtown Russellville. It's a cute little small uh, downtown square. And I'm about two blocks from the train station. It's super cute. So you can hear the, the train um, in the background. So it's a really nice environment. So anyway, um, the Football 101 is important for your rookie players and the players that, that need a refresher or maybe are just not... Um, you know, haven't been in football for years and years and years. Um, 
they need to have some sort of foundational material to read over and over again as many times as they need to um, to get a comfort level with the basics of football. And then another thing that we had for support staff was event planning because in women's football, a lot of people don't realize that uh, women's football is like having six businesses in one. It's not just one, one game per week or one game every two weeks during April through July. It's actually multiple different businesses rolled up into one. So this week, real quick, I'm gonna be talking about uh, corporate sponsors from an ownership standpoint. Um, and then bringing unity to women's football. And then for players, we're going to talk about fan base. Support staff, we're going to talk about security and safety um, of your brand with regards to your sports staff. And um, I'm going to again share the face group, Facebook group with you. Face group. Facebook group with you. Um, I haven't been spending a lot of time on this, growing it or, or anything, but I will do that starting here in the off season, really um, getting some people connected in there um, and understanding women's football. If I, if I have time to get to it this week, then I'm gonna share, uh, somebody asked for a day in the life of, um, so I'm gonna share a day in the life of basically a day last week that, um, that I was running around and kind of giving you an idea of what, what happens. Um, and then, let's see, next week, if I'm able to get to the day in the life this week, then next week I'm going to go into starting a women's football team, naming your football team, and your initial setup. Um, I'll also go into... Um, the uh, creating a challenge for players in creating a challenge for players to create their own fan base. And then I'll probably provide a, a work worksheet or template of sorts for those players to map out their goals as it come as it goes with women's football and and how they're going to get there. So real quick, let me go back up here. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about corporate sponsorships. Um, everybody is interested in getting these large, huge, big corporate sponsorships, and it's very, very difficult. And I'll tell you a couple reasons why. Well, one reason is, is a lot of these organizations just don't have the money that they had sitting around that they did five years ago, 10 years ago, where they could donate or give money to fledgling companies. Um, that's number one. Number two, um, if you go and you look at a women's football game, a women's football game in your area might be huge compared to one in my area. When we go to your environment, you might have television, you might have live streaming, you might have a thousand people in the stands. You come to my game and I have 25 people in the stands. Um, you know, we have porta potties. You guys have this full fledged, you know, locker room set up. Please note that in most of the leagues, you have to have a locker room um, for women's football, but that doesn't mean you can't have a porta potty sitting outside um, for additional restrooms or whatever. So you can see where it could cause a problem for uh, marketing women's football as an industry. Um, a lot of people don't realize that even though we're not on the same team, we are still working together to get these corporate sponsors to take us seriously. 
Um, but I want to kind of let you guys in on a secret or something that we've done for a long time is um, these large sponsorships are really, really hard to get and they take sometimes two and three layers of um, questioning and answers um, and deciding whether they're gonna give money to you or not. What I really focus on um, is super small businesses. And obviously if you've read any of my other stuff, um, I do super small business consulting and there's usually one layer of leadership and that is the decision-making level. So by going in and asking questions of that one layer, one level of leadership, um, I can easily get to a yes or no. I can either get to a yes and get a check sign or a no, I can move on. So a lot of times people are like, oh, I wanna get $10,000 from a Reebok or Nike or Under Armour. Um, it's very difficult for you to get $10,000 from a big name. And you'll find out that some of these women's football teams that have gotten bigger sponsorships in the $10,000 range before have a difficult time doing it the next year and the next year because even if they've been able to get an organization to do a $10,000 sponsorship, a lot of times those sponsors are not finding any value or, or realizing any return on their investment to a women's football team for the $10,000. There, there might be a handful, if that, that will donate $10,000 and see a return on investment at this time. So you really wanna focus on these smaller mom and pop shops um, that don't have to ask um, upper level management if they can spend the money. So I'm talking 500, 1,000, maybe $2,000 sponsorships um, that, again, spell, spend the same, but are much easier to get. Um, so I just wanted to kind of touch base on that level of corporate sponsorship and then when you're working on your corporate sponsorship packages, think about creating sponsorship packages at the $1,000, $2,000 level, maybe even a $3,000 level. But when you're creating these sponsorship packages, make sure that you're not giving away so much value that you're not making any money on them. I see a lot of times where a corporate sponsorship at a $1,000 level gives away an autographed something and then 50 tickets to the game and four t-shirts or eight t-shirts and then when you add it all up you're really not making any money on it now there's different philosophies to giving away tickets because those people can now become fans and come to your concession stand you can make money off of them um, so there's back and forth between those two um, i don't mind giving away a lot of tickets um, but you want to make sure that it's not so many to where they don't see a value in buying a ticket the next game because they still have all these other tickets left over, if that makes any sense. So corporate sponsorships, focus on the $1,000 to $2,000 level. Um, they spend just the same. And if you can get $10,000 sponsors, um, it'll work out better for you because not only does it show that, that you have a larger number of sponsors, um, but a lot of times you can show them the value of that $1,000 fairly quickly um, when it comes to your advertising and cross-promoting for their organization. If you guys have any questions about corporate sponsorship packages or how to create them, or 
you know, feel free to send an email to us with your corporate sponsorship attached. And um, if you want to ask for a review on that, that's perfectly fine. Um, and you can usually connect with some of the um, women's football teams that have been around a long time that have sponsorships packages. Um, so you could decide, you know, maybe put yours side by side with somebody else's corporate sponsorship package and see if it looks similar. Next, I want to get into bringing unity within women's football. And this is a this is a touchy subject. And a lot of times I get really irritated by this subject because um, you get onto some of these women's football radio shows or articles, you know, on Facebook, and you have so many different opinions. Some people um, shouldn't even be voicing their opinion. Others, they voice, voice their opinion and don't even know what they're talking about. Um, it's really important in um, unifying women's football. How do I say this? It's very important for us to unify women's football in that we are all trying to create an industry that the outside promoters, advertisers, and fans come to and find that it's a fascinating sport. But they also need to know that if I, they go to your game and my game, that it's going to be fairly similar. I mean, obviously, the stuff that you sell at your concession stand probably isn't going to be the same that I sell at mine. Um, and if we have a raffle or a drawing at the game, it's probably going to be different. Um, maybe even after the game, you know, our, our team kind of collects in the middle um, and connects with the other team, um, hopefully to create unity and, and to, to thank them for coming to the game and show appreciation for their um, level of play. But when I go to a different game, it's, it can be different, but things need to be similar. And the reason why is because as a group, we are creating a product for the outside consumer. And if that product is so disjointed, we are not going to get to any level of success that anybody thinks we can get to. Now, I'll be the first to tell you that I think women's football can be huge. I've been saying this for years. I think it can be huge. Um, I think that it'll take people working together and um, we just haven't gotten to that point. I don't know if we'll ever get to that point where everybody's working together. Um, but I'm willing to try and I'm willing to continue to try. But bringing unity in women's football is going to be the, the basic stepping stone to women's football. Now, I want to tell you real quick what the things that I get irritated about um, with regards to women's football and um, the suggestions that are put out there in social media. One of the suggestions is that um, there needs to be, let me write this down so I don't forget it. One of the suggestions is that there needs to be less teams. Um, so because it's saturating the market. Now that's bullshit. Um, anybody that's saying that doesn't know what they're talking about um, and has never owned a women's football team and had to pay the bills. Women's football teams, um, we need to have more, at this point in time, we need to have more women's football teams out in the U.S. We need teams 
that can close off the gaps between the other teams to reduce the cost of travel. Um, this is so important because the number one biggest expense for women's football teams is ex travel expenses. So for Dallas to go to Atlanta, it's $5,000. For Dallas to go to Arlington, basically $0. For Dallas to go to Austin, a couple hundred, maybe $1,000. But you have some of these teams that are having to travel from Dallas to Chicago or, I don't know, Chicago to Iowa, Seattle to Utah. I mean, those are tracks. Those are, those are long distance tracks and um, it requires usually a Friday night travel, with, which then includes a hotel or, or Saturday travel stay at a hotel after the game on Saturday and then travel back on Sunday so people miss work, etc. So ideally, if you could make a league that uh, filled in the gaps with teams in women's football, that would be a starting point for the growth of women's football. I believe. Now, of course, other people are going to say different things, but I'll tell you, the people that are saying that we need less teams in women's football are wrong. Um, and I don't know why they're saying that. I'm guessing it's because they weren't, haven't been team owners. The other um, thing that I get as far as bringing unity to women's football is that there needs to be one league or why is there so many leagues? And I can give you some insight into why there are so many leagues um, and it will it's not going to fix itself um, women's football the team owners need to fix it for women's football the reason that there's so many leagues is because people can't work together people um, for whatever reason either broke up with another person um, either don't like the way the other person does something, um, wants to steal from another person, lie, cheat, whatever the case is. But for whatever reason, other teams form, split off, change names, whatever. And those teams are no longer um, welcome in the league they're in. Now, that's not to say that that's every situation. It's most situations. There's teams that split off because somebody broke up with somebody and then there's two teams in the same city and one league said they don't want to have two teams in that city there that's some of the reason other reasons are because there's two because two leagues exist or three leagues exist people decide to go pick and choose which league they want to be in without doing their research and without doing their due diligence it does not make sense to be in a league with nine or ten teams or twelve teams um, some teams continue to advertise that they have 14 and 16 and 18 teams, but they don't. And it's up to a potential team owner to do their due diligence, research, and see if those teams exist. Call them on the phone, see if they answer their phone. Sometimes it's really easy and you can go onto a website and you can see that they haven't had a schedule on their website since 2014. 
they probably didn't play in 2017 if their schedule says 2014. So you can kind of cross that out. Now you can't guarantee because some of these teams, they had a website, stopped using their website and now just use Facebook, which we can get to that and why that's a problem, but um, we'll do that on another episode. But it, if you're serious about owning a women's football team, it is a big investment if you do it right. Um, and it is your responsibility to make sure that you go and check and make sure that when a league states that they have 17 teams in the league, you need to go check that um, and make sure that there really are 17 teams. Now, I agree with the people that say there needs to be one league. Um, because if there's one league, then we have 70 or 80 teams within one league and we're doing great. The big component that keeps that from happening is that there's always these five or six or eight or 10 teams that can't be in that league for whatever reason, whether it's because they didn't pay their, their league fees or they did something wrong, they're doing illegal practices, whatever the case is, those teams will not be allowed into this one league. That's why all the other leagues exist. If for some way reason they're not in that league, people should be wondering why. Why, why is this? Why are there multiple leagues? Now, there's other teams that started off in the third or fourth league and never even really tried to be in the largest league. And when I'm talking about this, you know, we, you know, you can tell who I'm talking about. The WFA is the largest league, and then you have this USWFL and the IWFL. The IWFL used to be used to have a lot more teams. Now they have the same amount as the USWFL. I think they each have nine teams. Um, but with that being said, the league needs to have a larger amount of teams so that travel costs are reduced for each team. Now, you know, when it gets to a point where people can afford to fly all of the players to every game, and we have that level of um, commitment from sponsors, which we almost did um, a couple years back, um, but until it gets to the level where we can get that kind of commitment from a large donor or large sponsor and television and um, our own fields and practice fields, etc., then um, the model that we need to be looking at is the lots of teams, some teams in smaller markets, um, to close off the gaps for travel. If you guys have any question about this, feel free to send me questions and I can talk about them on later, um, later episodes. I don't have a problem with that. Um, but ultimately, what I'd like to do is get it to where we can have some unity within women's football. And I'll touch base on it you know, every few episodes because I think that it's super important. There are some teams that just, there, there will not be unity with those teams and those teams will dissolve and go away. Um, the other teams that are left will be able to build this quality of sport, this quality of product. Um, and I hope that you'll be able to use some of the um, things that I'm designing to make your women's football team better and more um, 
more able to make more money, if that makes sense. Um, because the more you make money, the more I make money, the more we all make money at this thing we call women's football. I appreciate your time. Let me go ahead and stop with that part of the unity of women's football. And I'm sure I, I'm hoping I get some calls because I, I heard there's, I heard a rant a couple just a couple days ago, maybe a week ago, that talked about the fact that we need the less teams within women's football. So I'm really I'm hoping that somebody will take me up on it and and challenge my argument that I don't believe that there should be less teams in women's football, that we need more teams. So I'm excited. I'm hoping that, sorry, that's my Diet Pepsi. I have to take a couple swigs of that every once in a while. Um, but I'm hoping that somebody will, will um, argue with me and see if we can come up. And I'm, I'm talking about friendly argument. I'm not, I'm not bashing anybody at all. Um, and hopefully they wouldn't be doing that if they had a, a difference of opinion with me either. But the idea is, is let's open up the lines of communication and you tell me why you think this way and I'll tell you why I think that way. Let's see if we can come up with a, a compromise or a solution to some of these problems. So um, more teams, um, we need more consistency among the teams and we need more consistency in the uh, processes and procedures um, within the team, which is what I was kind of talking about at the beginning where um, somebody knows that they go, when you go to an NFL game, right? Whether you go to see um, Cleveland or Dallas or the Broncos or whatever, it's gonna go pretty much the same way. You're gonna get a ticket, you're gonna go through security, you have some choice of concession stands, um, but the Broncos has a different concession stand than the Dallas Cowboys. You know, they have different things, but ultimately all the rules are correct. All the rules are the same. You know that for the most part, the referees are gonna um, know all the rules. Um, there's a lot of consistency when you think about it from an NFL standpoint, um, but we're not there yet. And, I, and I'll continue to repeat that we, are not at the NFL point yet, and we may not get there for another 30, 40 years. Hopefully, we can all work together and, and get there faster, but um, at this point, we need to focus on the problems that we have within women's football and get those fixed first. So I'm gonna transition really quick here. Um, the next topic that I wanted to talk about this week was player fan base. So this goes back to a lot of the teams you know, they bring on players and there's a player fee. Um, and, and my goal is to eliminate player fees for players. I really think that players should get paid to play. Um, but again, women's football is not there yet, people. Women's football is not at a place where um, the owners can pay the players to, to play. Pay the players to pay. Pay the players to play. Um, however, you know, there are some of our teams that are moving towards that and trying to get there faster than others. But um, ultimately, all the teams can't get there at the same time. So what I wanted, so fan base kind of runs in or fan base, le fan base leads into uh, paying players or getting um, some supporters. So this is not the NFL and no one owes anybody to play anything, right? No one, if, I'm a, if I own a team and you come to tryouts, I don't owe you, I don't have an obligation to play you, 
I'm not required to take you. Um, now, NFLs run a little different because they have a, a totally streamlined process with the, the combine and the draft. Women's football doesn't have that because in Dallas, I can't make somebody from Chicago come down to Dallas and I can pay them to come down here. Um, some teams try, but it usually doesn't work. Um, but this is not the NFL. And so there is no responsibility or requirement for me to um, pick players from other teams or pick players from other cities and bring them here. So if you look at players um, that are getting contacts to do extra things, like for example, come out to the bowling alley and we'll put you on the radio and you guys can bowl and um, we'll pay you not necessarily money, but we might um, give you a, give you a set of cleats or something like that. That is very similar to what you find in the NFL for endorsements, but it's not at all to the level that we would hope it to be at. Um, so a lot of times these players come on to women's football and they feel that they should get paid. And I agree with that. Um, and they feel that they shouldn't have to go out and get sponsors. And they feel that they should just play and people should give them money for doing that. That would be great in this imaginary world. Um, but it's, it's just not where women's football is at right now. And it's not going to be there for a while. So what players can do to create this for themselves is to create a fan base as a female football player. And there's a couple of women that have done it very successfully. Um, and that's because they built a fan base for being a female football player. So when they go out to clubs or when they go um, to sporting events, they're recognized at those sporting events for whatever. Now that's not, you know, that's the notoriety and the fame and everything. Um, and that's not really what you want to get caught up in. What you want to get caught up in is that more and more people recognize you as a female football player. So then more people sponsor you, more people come buy tickets from you, more people buy t-shirts that have your name on them. And that's how, as a female football player, you can start to create a value in your name and your playing ability and then expand it into the next level. Now this, how do you do this? You're going to do it through social media, mostly, um, community involvement and outreach, and probably some networking. So the people that do this spend a lot of time on it, a lot of effort. And when they go to talk to people in different um, areas around town, they're not going there because they're a teacher or they're the, the manager at Walgreens or whatever. They're going there as a female football player. And they're trying to inspire other women, inspire girls. And people start to recognize their name and the industry with them. So um, there's a lot of different people that have done this in the past. I don't want to name a lot of names because some of them aren't around anymore. And um, I don't have permission to use their names. But creating a fan base for a female football player can be huge. It can lead to... Um, other job opportunities. It can lead to revenue um, and being paid to play. Not necessarily paid from the owner, but paid from other sponsorship packages, um, equipment, products 
that actually give you enough money to play football. Usually it's not enough money to quit your day job, but it is a good significant amount of money. I've had people make upwards of five, six, seven thousand $7,000 in a year um, from women's football. So if you guys have any questions about that, um, the idea is, is that at this stage in women's football, a player that wants to get paid to play is going to need to create a fan base of some sort. And what I'm gonna do is on the website, I'll share that with you here in a little bit, um, I'm gonna put maybe a template or a worksheet for players to print off and fill out um, to list some of their goals and how they're gonna reach those goals from a fan base standpoint or from a paid player standpoint. If you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out um, via Super Small Biz or through Women's Football Success at gmail.com and shoot me a question and I'll have it on the next episode. Or if it's something you don't want me to share on Super Small Biz or Women's Football Success, um, I can reach out to you directly um, with some ideas or some suggestions. Um, for your question. Now, real quick, um, and I don't mean this to be bragging in any way, um, the reason that I'm doing this is because I've had some experience and I've had some success in women's football. Um, a lot of people come onto the show and they'll be like, well, who are you to be talking about this? You've just been with Dallas Elite for a couple of weeks, a couple months. Um, I started in women's football in 2009 um, with the the NWFA, National Women's Football Association, I don't even remember what it's called, it was with Catherine Masters. They had about 50 teams and they were charging people between 2,000 and 25,000 a year to have a team in the league. And she was getting, she was getting the money for it. Seriously, people were paying that much. Um, and some people will tell you that they were paying that much, others don't want to talk about it. Um, but uh, that, League quickly closed, um, and then I went on to hold to own three different teams at the same time. And again, I don't say that to brag, and some people are not sure why I did that. But one of the reasons I did that was because I wanted to prove um, to women's football as an industry that um, it can be a part-time thing. You don't have to even be there, and you can be successful in women's football. So I owned a team in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Little Rock, Arkansas at the same time, and I rotated around to them. Um, I lived in Dallas at the time, um, so my objective was to make these teams successful and to prove to other women's football teams that if you can do it from afar and you can do it on a part-time basis, then there's really no excuses for your team not being successful. If you use the right processes and procedures, and um, through the Women's Football Success, I'm gonna give you those processes and procedures and hopefully create some more success within women's football. So that's kind of my little one minute thing as to why I'm doing this for women's football and why I feel like I have the uh, information and knowledge to be able to share it with you. Let's go on to um, our next topic for this week and it is support staff and um, this hits home a little bit if anybody's been reading anything about women's football. 
Um, but we're talking about the security and safety of your brand with support staff. So um, when it comes to women's football, you are dependent on a lot of volunteers because especially when your football team is beginning, there's not a lot of excess revenue for you to pay people to do all the tasks that have to be done. In this segment, we're talking about um, the safety and security of your brand, which usually typically will um, have to do with your logos, um, your internet, your social media, any outward appearance of your brand to the community that allows you to bring paying people to the stands in the form of ticket sales, concession stand sales, uh, merchandise sales. Um, sometimes that that's going to your events, paying you know a cover charge to come be at an event with you guys and have fun. Um, but it's really, really important that you um, keep your brand under lock and key because when you're dealing with volunteers and you're dealing with people that have attached themselves to your organization, um, you are never really sure how safe they are or what their intentions are with your company. So when it comes to social media and uh, being able to get the information out to the community, what I suggest is having people, maybe even interns and volunteers that create the content for you or that you guide them on what content to create. And then you as the owner, be the one that actually puts the content on the website. Now, I can't, I can't tell you how often this happens where um, a person leaves the company or they don't like how something's done and they take your username and password and you don't have access to your website, Facebook, social media. Um, you can look out on the internet and see how many times it ha has happened um, because you'll see some websites that are still up from years ago that um, teams have tried to do that. Um, it happens all the time. Um, some teams do it in a legally correct way and some teams don't, um, but that's on them and, and that's a completely different topic um, that we'll get into in some other things that I'm writing about right now. But the idea is, is that ultimately you need to keep your brand safe and secure from other people um, trying to use and abuse it. And that means that that support staff, those volunteers and interns should not have access to any of the things that can jeopardize your organization. Now in women's football, we have teams that split, personnel take equipment information, bank account information, um, documents, even tryout information is the, is the property of that team. So for example, somebody comes and does a tryout for your team and gives all their information to your team. And then the person that has those documents leaves and goes to another team. That, that's not their infer, you know, that's not their property. And all that information was not given to that other team. Um, so you need to really make sure that the support staff that you're putting in place um, is honest and has integrity. But ultimately, you know, you can have somebody that's working for your company for years and um, 
they leave and, and, and take things and steal things from you. So um, this is just a kind of a, a warning or maybe a red flag that making sure that you set up your processes and procedures in a way where you are the one that is putting the content out there so you know what's being communicated to the public about your organization. So real quick, let me see how much time I got left real quick. Okay, we're sitting at about 40 minutes. So I can share a little bit about a day in the life. Um, somebody pointed out um, that it, people really like to kind of see what's going on in women's football and, and how people get things done. And also for the other owners, maybe the owners that are new to women's football, um, that aren't necessarily sure what they should be doing and what they should be doing. Um, I'll probably put out like maybe a checklist of things that might need to be done. Um, it's really difficult to say day by day what needs to be done because, um, so for example, this last week, so so Mother's Day was yesterday. Today is the, the 14th of May. So, but it still kind of shows like the typical things that have to be done because it doesn't matter what week you're in, there might be a holiday, there might be a birthday, there might be something. So let's start off with um, a day in the life. So on Friday, I had to get up really early. Um, Thursday, we had gone to Dallas for a practice. Um, so we didn't get home until like four o'clock, maybe 3.30 in the morning, four o'clock on Friday. But I also own a business and I own a law practice, so I had to get into work. Um, I didn't have to be in until about 8.30. Um, so I went into work about 8.30 and I did uh, two legal tasks. I had to write a letter to somebody and then I had to file some paperwork for another client. So, But those took about, oh, about two hours total. So we're talking about uh, 10.30 by that point. Um, my husband called one to have lunch. Um, I told him I wasn't gonna have time to have lunch that day. I had too many things to do. I had to get over to um, the grocery store to get stuff ready for Mother's Day because I had already planned. Because we'd been traveling so much lately, I wanted to really take the weekend and have lots of foods that we eat here healthy and good um, as opposed to fast food, burgers, tacos, whatever. Um, so I got all the prep food for that. And hold on just a second. <laughs> Sorry, as you guys know, when I'm doing these radio shows, this is my multitasking time. Um, and so it says I have 73 new notifications on Facebook. That's pretty awesome. Um, that means that Facebook's doing its job for us. Um, but anyway, so I went to the grocery store and I had to get stuff. I wanted to get stuff for Friday night dinner, Saturday and Sunday for Mother's Day. Um, I picked up some flowers for my mom, some hydrangeas so she could plant them in the yard. And then I went over to, I had to get to the printers because I had some flyers that I needed finished up for this coming week. And then I went over to, I call him my etcher. Um, he's the one, if you look at the Dallas Elite uh, website, um, we do some glass, uh, some etchings on glass that say Dallas Elite on some plates and some cups and some bowls, etc. cetera. Um, wine glasses, beer mugs. Um, and so I, I had to go over and pick up my order from him. And then I had to get home because I had a an article that was going out. I had to answer some questions before the article went out. And that's supposed to be out 
here to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday before our next game. I then had a meeting. Um, we had a owner's meeting, a marketing meeting, and a coach's meeting. Um, I don't really participate in the coach's meeting because first of all, I don't have time, but second of all, it's really not my area that I take care of with women's football. Um, and then after that, I get into, let's see, probably about six or seven o'clock at night on Friday night. And that was, um, we, we did this big patio on our backyard that has this big giant big screen television with the grill and a sink and all this stuff. So we like to sit out there on, on the weekends when we have a bye week because this was one of our only bye weeks. Um, so that was really nice to be able to relax and not have to travel. Um, but then I had to get onto Facebook um, and I have a couple people that work on our social media, but they asked me questions for final um, input and final lock-in decisions. Um, so I connected with that and, and got those done. Um, so as you can see, you know, when it comes to women's football, it's not just a one thing each day or one thing each week. I mean, it's almost like you have a bunch of plates twirling and it depends on how fast each one's twirling and what, um, what focus you need to put towards each thing. One day you're going to have to put a lot of focus towards um, internet and social media. Uh, another day you're going to be putting a lot of focus towards um, an upcoming event and then other times you're getting ready for a game. So now, for example, this week, today I'm pretty, pretty relaxed. This is the day that I do the radio show and I, I do a couple other writing things. Um, so I'll do a lot of writing today, probably about 30 to 40 pages and um, I do a lot of audio writing. So because you speak faster than you type and so I'm a lot I'm able to get a lot more done by doing audio typing but that's a whole nother subject um, so today is going to do a, a lot of writing and then um, a lot more of social media and then finally we have an event coming up in about a week or two um, a fundraising event so I'll be locking in the final things for that and getting all the details together to present to the rest of the organization so that they know what they need to do to have things ready by the by the date of the event. I hope that's informative for you guys. I mean, I could give you a couple different day scenarios. Some of them are more relaxed than others, but um, I'll tell you that Friday was probably a typical day um, in women's football for us when we're sitting in weeks, you know, week six of the regular season. Um, there's a lot of plates twirling, a lot of things that have to be done. Um, uh, so we have some processes and procedures that we've put together um, that make those things a little bit easier. So that's what we do. I hope that you guys um, get some benefit from hearing about the different tasks that have to have to happen in order um, to create and promote your football team. Um, next week, okay, so what I'm going to do next week is um, I'm going to start talking about starting a women's football team for those people that maybe are going out to games right now in different areas that they're visiting and saying, hey, this is something that I like to do in my area. Um, again, women's football, we need a few more teams um, and we need them in some select areas. So that's what I'm going to be working on these next couple weeks um, for, for the league. Um, 
I'm not affiliated with the league. I don't get any benefit from the league growing, except for the fact that we have more places to travel or, or less distance to travel um, in between the teams. So that I consider a win-win for everybody. So I help, I'm willing to help do that. So starting your women's football team, naming your football team, um, and we'll get into that, but you don't wanna name your team after somebody's team that already exists. It's not good and it's not good for business. It's not good for you. And um, you could be wasting a lot of your time um, and have to start over. Um, and then I'm gonna go over the initial setup of a women's football team and that I'm gonna do more of a step-by-step -step business setup. Um, and then I probably need to throw in some stuff there for um, players uh, because they could care less about starting a women's football team or naming it or the initial setup. So for players, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a challenge um, to start creating their own fan base. So this is going to be a worksheet of sorts that um, the players can map out their goals in women's football and how they're going to get there. So this is super fun. I like doing this, this uh, project. So um, if you guys have any questions, hold on, let me take another sip. If you have any questions, feel free to re reach out uh, womensfootballsuccess at gmail.com. And again, I'm we're doing the Facebook group. I have not spent a lot of time on it. Um, it's not my first priority, but we will continue to expand um, that here in the coming weeks. So let me give you, um, in order to see the stuff that I talk about here on the website, so um, I have a website called supersmallbiz.com and there is a tab for women's football. Um, the reason I did this is uh, years ago we had footballforwomen.com. Some people would contribute, others wouldn't. Um, it was really a waste of, uh, we ended up doing everything and uh, people didn't have time to contribute. So we had this website out there um, really for no reason because we could have connected it with other stuff. So what I did was I, um, made the decision to keep the women's football a tab under my super small biz. And then if it expands and grows to the point where we need a completely different website for it, then we'll do that. But uh, for now, it's gonna be supersmallbiz.com and then the tab is women's football success. Um, on Facebook, we're starting a group. And again, I haven't spent a lot of time on this, but it's um, facebook.com backslash groups backslash women's football success. There's gonna be a strict set of rules. Um, so we're not gonna um, do any posts or links for products and services um, that can be purchased um, on the actual um, original post that goes out there. Now, if people wanna attach um, links like that in the comments, then people can voluntarily click on those links, that's fine. But we're not gonna post any businessy, um, you know, fundraisers or, you know, products that people need to buy. Uh, number two, we're going to make sure that the comments are proper to the post so people aren't going to be able to, you know, we're talking about um, equipment and then all of a sudden somebody puts up a post for sale, selling vitamins. You know, it's not necessary. Um, so those comments that aren't related will be removed. Um, the Facebook group is monitored daily. Um, she's going to uh, make sure that we keep negative, uh, offensive, or off-topic posts. Um, out of there. Um, I don't have time to do this monitoring myself. Um, so we have a girl that's going to do that. And then we're going to provide some daily prompts 
to encourage discussion. Um, please stay on topic and um, keep keep the vibe positive and encouraging. Um, there's no reason to go on there and say, well, we went to this place and they sucked and they did this and they didn't give us our oranges or whatever the case is. Um, let's try and keep it positive. Um, and what the other thing that we're going to do to try to keep things on task is um, we have a weekly schedule. So like today, Monday is Marketing Monday. So I'm going to share um, some prompts that will help promote marketing, upcoming events, community involvement of your different teams. It's really good to share. A lot of times people think, oh, well, I'm up in Pittsburgh, so I shouldn't share my event on here. You can't imagine how many um, friends and family um, want to be part of women's football but don't live in the same place where their football player is. And so they're willing to come out to other events that are in the area that they live just to support women's football. So you guys, we're losing out on opportunities um, from people that maybe, you know, so-and-so's mom lives in South Carolina or so-and-so's dad is up in Seattle. They can't come to a Dallas game, but they're willing to go to a Seattle game just to support uh, women's football in general. So um, Monday is Marketing Monday. Tuesday is Business Tip Tuesday. Wednesday is Wonderful Wednesday, Words of Encouragement. Um, Thursday is Weekly Predictions. I don't really get into that, but um, I'm going to do that on Thursdays to see how good I am at it. Maybe like a fantasy football type thing. Um, Friday is going to be Promotional Fridays. Saturday is Social Media Saturday. And Sunday is uh, Sunday Celebration after all the games are done. We can all get back to celebrating and, and getting ready for the next week. So I hope you guys are um, liking the women's football success as much as I am. Um, I appreciate BJ for getting us on her network with uh, JC Hawk and um, the coaches. We wanted to provide a show that wasn't really um, football focused or football game focused. We wanted to focus on the business part of it. And if you guys know me at all or have been around at all, when I've been around, then you know that that's really my my number one focus. It always has been. Um, and the more and more effort that we can put towards women's football success, um, the more we can get these teams growing and, and not floundering um, mid-season. So I really appreciate your time and effort. Feel free to reach out to us. Again, womensfootballsuccess at gmail.com. Um, I hope you guys have a great week. I hope you had a great Mother's Day. I'll share with you what I got for Mother's Day um, next week. And uh, you guys have a wonderful time. We should be going to week seven, so get ready. This is the week that's gonna make some, uh, make some uh, changes in the, the standings and really um, set some teams apart. So I'm really excited. You guys have a great week. Talk to you later, bye-bye.